Good evening. It is Tuesday night. Uh, it is October 9th and it is 530, which means we are doing Facebook Live and my phone dings and lets everybody know that we're live now. Uh, and I wanted to take some time. We have a whole bunch of topics tonight uh, that we're going to be discussing, starting with the thing that I, hi Kimmy, uh, the thing that affects us here is that a uh, hurricane's coming through. Yay, we're only getting like rain bands, which is nice because we really need rain. But what do you do when a hurricane comes through? We wanted to talk about that. And so you don't live in Florida or <laughs> any place that's been hit by hurricanes this year. What do you do? Um, first is you want to get yourself to safety. Now, safety might be staying in your house. Um, last year during Irma, we actually stayed here at the ranch because we had the cows and we had the goats and we had the chickens. We actually moved the goats and the chickens into the dog room. Um, and luckily it was right before conference. So we didn't have any client dogs in. One of my Gainesville trainers had a client dog in um, because she wasn't going to conference. But um, we were talking with the, that client's owner, with the client herself, about well, what we were going to do. You know, and if the weather would have gotten bad, she would have come and taken, you know, picked up her dog. Um, so that's first of all, what you need to do is take care of yourself and your animals. Uh, since we were staying at the ranch, uh, and there's a couple reasons why we chose to stay at the ranch is first, you couldn't move on the interstate. Like the interstate was not moving. It was totally backed up. Um, and I'm not dealing with traffic like that. Um, second reason is it was really hard to find gasoline. So say you're like, well, I'll just take back roads. We live on a kind of a back road. We live on 301 and traffic had picked up. Yes. It wasn't, you know, crazy busy or anything, but you know, the farther we get north, the crazier and busier it would have been. So we, um, you know, we filled up the cars with gas. Um, we had the van and the SUV at the time and the truck. So the truck was taking diesel. So that was a lot easier, but we did get both vehicles filled up with gas. Um, plus the truck, if we did have to skedaddle, uh, we got water, we had bottles of water, um, because we have the cows, we have these giant feed barrels. They're like, they were used to import olives from Greece. So when you get them, they stink and they're dirty because they have olive bits everywhere. But you, you wash it out, you dry it out, and you use it to store um, the bulk cow feed that we get. So we had a couple empty ones of those that we just filled up before we lost power. We just filled them up with water. And that's how we took our dump showers, which gave me an ear infection, which was super fun. But we did have water. I mean, their food's safe and everything else, but it, it provided us the water for whatever we needed, water for the animals water for showers, water for whatever. Um, we had enough food on hand that didn't need cooking. So we do have gas heat. I don't know. I'm sure it would have worked. I don't know how gas heat works during hurricanes because I'm not a preparedness type of person. Um, but we did lose absolutely everything in our freezer and fridge because we did not have a, um, a generator and we still don't and we need to get one. But what do you do during a hurricane coming is you make sure you're prepared for everything. Make sure you have plenty of water. Make sure you have food. Make sure you have food for you and for your animals. Um, make sure that they're in a safe spot that they can get to. You know, so if you want to look for an interior room without windows. So for a lot of people, that's going to be a bathroom. Um, the door frame is the safest spot in the house. If you do need to hunker down for whatever reason, um, you know, you, you want to stay high and dry if you can land wise so like our ranch is on a little tiny bit of a hill so we didn't have any flooding i know a lot of people had flooding and they had flooding for months after because the water wasn't draining well <laughs> we're sitting on a sand pile so that's not an issue it's only an issue when it comes to grass um, my service dog because 
we didn't even have Gypsy yet. We just had Arrow. So I had his stuff ready. I had his papers together. I had his food together. He wasn't on any meds. So, you know, like it, it worked. Um, I talked to a friend or two who live up in the panhandle and said, you know, if you guys need to come down here, you know, just, just come down, you know, we're, we're just going to be hitting with bands of it. Um, my parents actually live in Myrtle beach. <laughs> this is the third hurricane to come through in a month, <laughs> which isn't something to laugh about, but the first one, they were down here with us because uh, it was right before conference and, uh, they were going to stay here to watch our, our animals and, um, you know, watch our dogs. So I thought that was kind of funny that, you know, like we moved to Florida, we kind of expect hurricanes. They moved to South Carolina. They don't expect hurricanes, but they got them. Uh, so hello, hello, everybody. So what do you do with a hurricane coming? You get to safety for yourself, your animals. Make sure you have food. Make sure you have water. Make sure you have medicines. Make sure you have a first aid kit. Um, you know, anything that is going to be needed um, to keep everybody safe um, until you're done with harm's way. Now, the first thing that the stores ran out of were bottled water and bread. So, you know, if you want bread, make up your own. Make sure you have, like I said, the ready-made food. If you just have a bunch of hamburger and you have no way to cook it, it's not going to do you a lot of good, but your dog's going to love you because they can eat raw hamburger if you didn't get that implication. So um, if you have any questions, type away, guys. I say everyone saying hello. Nicole had to reschedule her trip, so Nicole was going to come down. Um, she was actually going to fly to Pensacola, and now you have to reschedule. So um, for us leaving after Irma last year, we were supposed to fly out like Tuesday morning. The airport was closed until Tuesday afternoon. So when I called up to reschedule, because we're flying to IACP, I was presenting at IACP, the International Association of Canine Professionals Annual Conference. And I was presenting Wednesday afternoon. And they're like, oh, well, we can get you there Thursday. I said, no, you can get me there on Tuesday or Wednesday, absolute morning, absolute earliest. So I said, I see there's a flight at like two o'clock instead of our nine o'clock flight on Tuesday. Could I do that one? And they're like, um, uh, yeah, yeah, we can get you onto that one. So, you know, we got on the flight, which was nice. And it was like 10 people on the flight. Uh, but we got to the airport a little early because guess what, guys? The airport had air conditioning, <laughs> had hot food, had water there that, you know, fresh water that we could drink. And I like cold water. So we got to the airport earlier. Um, you know, so think about that too. Uh, if you do lose power, it sucked. Sorry, it was terrible. I'm not having power in Florida with the heat and I don't do well without air conditioning. Huh, that's why I live in Florida is because everything's air conditioned. Um, for portable phone chargers, you guys know those charging blocks. Charge all your charging blocks up, your car, if you need to charge up your phone. Um, we have like, we had one or two and now we have three of the portable charging blocks. We had like three of the sticks. So I gave the sticks to Rich and Luke and I kept the charging blocks for myself. <laughs> And uh, just so I can stay updated with what everything was going on, you know, but it's family time. So it's card time, it's board games, it's drawing time, if you can see, because of the light. Uh, but like I said, having my goats and dog crates and my chickens and dog crates in the dog room was, oh my gosh. And we didn't need to, like they would have been fine outside of it. Um, at least 14 days of food and water. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were out of power for about a week. We're only here for about three days of it, two days of it. Um, but it was, it's not fun. Put sod in plastic pool for potting. Oh, that's a good one, Terry. So if you have one of those plastic, you know, pools for kids, put sod in there. You can potty your dog in there. You can put it in a garage or a room so the dog can eliminate during the worst weather. So during, with the hurricanes, as hurricanes come through, there's bands of rain. So we've had this because we've lived in Florida now for like 12 or 13 years. So 
it'll come through. It's not like just a torrential downpour the whole time. So during the, it would go through and then, you know, our dogs would go outside and potty. And our dogs are pretty decent about stuff. You know, the goats and the chickens stayed in the crates and we just kind of cleaned up after them when it was all said and done because we just kept them in there for the worst of it. Um, it was super fun. But um, we had, when we were in Gainesville, um, we had one where the eye of the hurricane was coming over us. I don't know how many years ago? Maybe seven years ago, right? So like the eye came and it was all good. So like that was the time to get everyone out there potty them and get everyone back in before the tail end of it comes through because like the tail end of it's the worst part. Uh, Sarah says, looks like all the dogs you're doing good in the videos you share. Ooh, Sarah, you wouldn't believe it. So we're, um, I'm certified through Casey Cover for her Cinelia, um, her sats and stuff. And, uh, you know, talked with Mark at the workshop, did a podcast with him a few weeks ago when we were at, at conference. Um, and I got his online course. So, you know, watching that and a lot of it's similar, but I like his structured way of doing it better. Um, so we've been working those concepts heavily with the dogs and yeah, yeah, they seem to be doing really good, which is awesome. We've got five in right now. Um, two goldens, <laughs> um, the pointer, uh, the little dog and the aggressive one. I don't even know what she is. She's like a shepherdy wookie type of mitzi dog. Um, but yeah, they're all doing really good. So we're going to try to keep doing their little videos and, and pictures and stuff like that. Sometimes they're boring. Sometimes I put them on Facebook and not on Instagram because they're not the prettiest of pictures, but the owners like them. Elaine says she loves to play dominoes. Um, Michelle says, I live in a cold climate area because I can't deal with the heat. Yeah. Well, okay. So Michelle, we used to live up in Connecticut. We didn't have central air. And in the summer, we didn't have window units upstairs because this was back in the late 80s. So we just had a window fan and it was, it was terrible. And the schools weren't air conditioned. Same with Wisconsin. The schools weren't air conditioned. Our houses weren't, didn't have central air. And it was miserable. Um, I hated it. So, you know, I find it in Florida, everything's air conditioned. So as long as I can get from my house to the car to the store, I'm good. <laughs> what stinks though is it's harder to do Disney. So we just do Disney in the evenings, you know, just for a couple hours in the summer. Um, Teresa says, do all your laundry. Oh, yes. Uh, laundry, vacuum, et cetera, before the storm begins in your area. You want to make sure you have everything and that you're set. So, um, you know, those totes that you put your Christmas stuff in, that's a great thing to put in, you know, clothes if you're going to need it, food if you're going to need it. And then it's easier to get that out to the car and you're not like scrambling around the house doing something. And if you need it, it's there. Um, but yeah, make sure that you have everything done. Um, Kimmy says you can fill your washer with ice and you don't have to worry about drainage and you can fill your bathtub with water. Yep. We did that one. Um, yep. And Jane, oh, Jane, I'm glad you found us. I just got your message, but I couldn't reply because then I stopped talking. Uh, I finally joined in the red live popped up. Good. Um, Caleb's getting a shower and a blow dry tonight. Yep. And Sarah says they're all beautiful and she watches them. Thank you. I love that, Sarah. I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, when, when storms are coming, guys, it's nothing to monkey around with. Um, I, I don't know what type of level it's going to be. They scream and scream to get everybody worked up. All the news stations, that's all they show. The Weather Channel, you know, like it's their hour of, in the spotlight. So they want to make a big to-do about it. I don't watch the news. I get my news from Facebook. <laughs> I hate to say that, but it's true. Um, or, you know, people tell me. So like, I, I can't escape it, but I don't have to sit there watching, you know, this is what the news is going to be like. So, um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't know what all's going on. Um, but I do know that it's probably not going to be as bad as what people fear. Um, you know, and uh, people, I think you're genuinely good and helpful. And, you know, they try to help each other out in times of 
crap like this. Now I know Hawaii had a hurricane or whatever they call it over there, a typhoon or whatever earlier this year. And uh, I have a friend over in Hawaii and he said that people were going and buying all the bottled water and then they were returning it afterwards. <laughs> That's such a douchey thing to do. You're going to buy the bottled water, keep it. We did. We have like five or six gallons, I think right now in the, the pantry, along with some bottled water. And when our pump went out, it was really nice to have those. Really, really nice. Right now it's a category three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's not supposed to make landfall, I think, until tomorrow. So, you know, we have a couple evals scheduled for in the morning. So we'll see where they're at and if we're still doing them here. And then we're going to do Sam's tomorrow. We're doing a Sam's run. And luckily we don't need bread or water because they probably sold out of both of those. Um, but, you know, we'll hit it down here in Central Florida. We were debating if we wanted to head up to Ocala or Lady Lake, because those are the two closest Sam's. We'll probably do the Lady Lake one. Not that you guys care, but still. Um, other news on Vicky's end is our house, we closed on our Gainesville house today, and I am so happy. Um, it was stressful um, having that house. Um, it's been less than two months since our tenants told us, we can't pay rent, and we're going to be out in you know, a few weeks, maybe. We'll see. So really nice to be done with that. Um, really, really nice to be done with that. And then we had to fix it up because oh, it wasn't in the best shape. So it looked beautiful. It was on the market for less than a week and we got a full price offer in cash. So that made me very, very happy. And that's, like I said, we closed today because it was a cash offer. We could close way faster. Um, but we didn't even have to drive up to Gainesville to do the paperwork. We did it um, in front of a notary. We scanned it to them and then we can FedEx it overnight it to them. So they should get that tomorrow, which means we get everything paid off tomorrow, which is good. Um, Terry says expected um, for it to hit here afternoon. Okay, tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I'm so glad the house sold. But you know what it made me realize is I've had a lot of stresses in my life lately. Um, I had the, the cancer possibility, which didn't put Vicky in a very good mood. Um, the, the rental in Gainesville that we're paying quite a bit of money for every month because it's not paid off. And then my tenants are like, oh, we're not paying anymore and we're not moving out for at least a month. And so you get to like eat that cost, um, which was very stressful. Um, just normal business worries, normal life worries and dealing with the Hope Service dog, trying to get that all figured out. It was a lot of stress and panicky stress and anxiety. And you know what? Like, oh my gosh, the people who live with that on a day in day out level. Oh my gosh. Like I could barely handle it. And I was that way for two months, you know, um, you know, finally I feel like the stress is coming off. It's like a weight off of my shoulders, but you know, that's one of the reasons why we do what we do and why I love working with the people, um, who have the PTSD and the anxiety, because I know how much the service dogs help them out. And after experiencing that for just a couple months, not my whole life, not, you know, long term, holy cow. And yeah, the dogs made it so much better, but we also found out that a lot of um, people don't have, um, if they, if they're not veterans, they can't get the PTSD or the anxiety service dog. Cause it's, you know, a lot of trainers only work with people, uh, with people who are veterans, not us. We work with everybody. So, um, so know that it can help you. And even if you're like, well, I'm not disabled enough for it. It's so much easier. Um, Cheryl asked, is it best for a vest to have zippers or Velcro? Uh, for service dog Cheryl, and that is Marvel's on a Marvel, the pointer that we have in. If you guys have been seeing pictures, um, I like zippers best because of this reason. Um, Velcro. So on my dog's old vests, right? 
they have like the service dog patch that you can take on and off, right, with the patches and all, and you can put the little pockets on it. We've had them where they don't line up right, and they'll get fur caught everywhere, and it'll um, catch on your pants. So like depending if you're wearing leggings or if you're just, or if you're not wearing pants, you're wearing shorts or a skirt or whatever, it's going to like abrace you, give you an abrasion. Um, and it's not fun. It hurts. Um, so I don't like Velcros. I prefer zippers. So I like zipper pockets better. Plus, if you have a dog ripping open that Velcro and closing it, ripping and closing it right by, you know, if it's on the vest, it's right by the dog's ear. It can't be the best sound. Um, so I prefer zippers. And I actually, guys, one thing I wanted to talk about is Gypsy got her new vest. So you can see on the Dream Dogs, a little tiny picture that little square of Gypsy um, with the purple vest. That's Gypsy's new vest. And those are actually two giant pockets on either side with the zipper. So that's what I really wanted. There's a couple of things I really wanted in my vest. And one was I wanted zipper pockets, preferably big zipper pockets. Um, second, I wanted embroidery <coughs> instead of patches because I love embroidery. It looks so nice. It looks so professional um, and just so much better than a bunch of patches everywhere. And three, I wanted something pretty. I wanted a pretty color. So I was going to actually go with the teal blue that the lettering is because it's my favorite color. Um, so it's going to be teal blue with white or black lettering. But I saw somebody had that purple with the blue lettering and I'm like, that's it. So I'm going to actually go through and order a few more things um, to kind of match it. So because we do work with Arum and with Roma and with the boot camp dogs. So then we'll have like a full complete ensemble of different dogs. Um, get some purple gentle leaders. Um, get some purple leashes are coming in and blue leashes so you know we'll see what matches and what we're going to put aside for when we're working the service dogs because we have to color coordinate but um that vest is from patience and love um and i love 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 them and i mean even like little things on it so like the back side of it is all finished which looks really nice if you unzip it she has her logo embroidered along with the size of the vest so i don't have to go look it up and try to find it i just open it up and see the size of it uh the pockets are just huge which is really really nice um, so that's, that's my favorite. If someone wants to say, you know, like, what's your favorite vest? Is that one I just got for Gypsy? Um, they, she has a couple other ones. Rich wanted the butterfly one, which is small in the middle and bigger on the sides that wrap around the dog. So I'm going to order one in these colors, make him happy. I figure I can use it with everyone. Um, yeah, I would have completely shut down. Yeah. Michelle says I was having symptoms like chronic fatigue. So I know what it's like and have a good understanding of what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then on top of you know, my, my normal disabilities, you know, it was, it was very stressful having, um, going through all that. And like I said, not saying like, I know what it's like, like I stubbed my finger once. I totally know what it's like to give birth. You know, it's not one of those, but just like all the stress. And then think if you never come back from that, you know, how terrible that's going to be. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, don't, don't want that at all. Um, other things, I have a whole list here that I want to make sure we talk about. Uh, had somebody ask me if I do service dog evals. I can. Um, I'm happy to. However, I've also heard people say that, you know, well, he passed the eval as a service dog when he was a puppy, but he didn't make it when he was an adult. Mm-hmm. Yep. I believe it. What an eval does is it tells you what's going on that instant with your dog or with the service dog. It doesn't tell you, it doesn't guarantee, it's not a magic ball that's going to show you into the future and say, this dog will be a service dog because of my powers, I can tell it. Um, it tells you the dog you don't want. So when we have evals out here for service dogs, there's a couple things I look at and people don't think I'm doing anything. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm seeing how your dog reacts to people 
to other dogs, to distractions, to new environments. I'm seeing how your dog is when other dogs approach, when people approach him, um, you know, whenever he gets lifted out of the car or jumps out of the car, when he's walking up to a strange location, which is the ranch here, you know, what happens when my dogs run up to him and want to sniff him? You know, does he pee everywhere? Does he roll belly up? Um, does he, um, what else does the dog do? Does he hide? Like, does he go behind you and hide? Um, does he growl at people? You know, like, what is your dog's baseline temperament? And if the dog has any undesirable behaviors, he's probably not going to make it as a service dog. Um, a service dog is not a rehab project. So what that evaluation tells you is the dog that you don't want. It doesn't guarantee anything. Because you can take a dog who's going to be perfect for service dog work, but if you don't do what you're supposed to do, that dog is not going to make it as a service dog. You know, period, end of story. It's not going to happen, guys. Which, it's difficult. It's difficult whenever you put all your hopes and dreams into this dog and he doesn't make it as a service dog. So that's what I look for is, you know, what's the dog looking like? You know, well, the dog pulls to go say hi to people. We, we can handle that. Um, the dog jumps up on people. You know, it's not a problem. Um, the dog's very confident and he has to put his head over everybody else's head and make sure they know he's top dog. That could be something we have to deal with. Um, you know, so, so there's a lot. And then, you know, what, what breed is the dog? What's the genetic um, components of that dog's temperament? Because temperament is based on genetics, early environment and current environment. And I can't change genetics and I can't change early environment. I can only change current environment. So I can't take, a dog who's super aggressive and turn him into a dog who's a therapy dog. Like it's a continuum of behavior. I can maybe make him so he's not as aggressive, so he's not such a pain, but I, I can't make the dog into a therapy dog if he hates people, um, usually, <laughs> usually. Um, you know, because if the dog's bitten numerous people, there's always going to be that in the back of your head, like, I want to keep life again, um, especially for service dog work. Um, so that's one of the things I wanted to make sure we touched on. Um, when to wash out a service dog in training. I want to talk about that. Or a service dog. Um, when to wash it out. When are you going to wash out a dog as being a service dog in training? Well, if the dog displays what I just told you, if the dog is aggressive, if the dog's biting, if the dog's um, submissive peeing, you know, like, oh my gosh, a firework pee everywhere. Those are things that, you know, we can try to tweak a little bit depending on what else is going on. Um, you know, we had a dog in and we were seeing if he could be a service dog and um, he would do the, like, I hear firework and I pee everywhere. Well, you know, we work on that with the training stuff that we know too. I'm not going to automatically wash him out because that's his only main issue. Um, but, you know, you have to be serious of if this is the best thing for you and for your dog, if you're thinking of washing out your service dog or your service dog in training. And what washing out means, means that he is not going to be a service dog anymore. We're going to move him from service dog, service dog candidate, service dog in training, and just into a pet dog. Um, and it sometimes happens. I mean, if the dog doesn't love the job, you're going to wash him. You know, you don't want to work a dog who doesn't want to do it. Uh, what behaviors are unacceptable? Biting. Biting is unacceptable. Um, that's unacceptable. Um, if the crazy dog comes running up to your dog and your dog's like, whoa, that we can work on. You know, I'm not going to say like, oh, you know, like this was overwhelming for the dog. And the dog was like, I don't know what to do here. Ah, oh, dog's not going to be a service dog. Maloney, that dog's not going to be a service dog. Um, you know, because a lot of, and depending on the age of the dog, because a lot of things you can tweak, you know, behavior isn't really set in stone. You can shape it or I wouldn't have a job doing what I do. 
Um, amen to that makes a lot of sunshine will flunk with fine colors. Oh, and use Caleb as an example if you want to. Thank you, Teresa. So Teresa has Caleb. Teresa has um, Caleb. He is a German Shepherd, and he's he's so funny. Um, he's a goober, and everyone who knows me knows I always say that with love. And I, uh, Teresa was retiring in a few years, and so she was looking for the perfect German Shepherd, and she retired, and then it took like a couple more years before he was born, and she went through, because there's a couple breeders she wanted to work with, <coughs> and, uh, you know, so they, they knew what she wanted. She wanted a dog to be a service dog. That was her ultimate goal, but if not, that was fine. It's not like, you know, that was her only goal. She wanted a fantastic pet first. She wanted a partner for her nonprofit. She wanted a service dog. And if it turns out that the dog was going to be an in-home service dog, she was fine with that as well. So she got Caleb and uh, as a puppy and started training with us. So that we were doing the group classes in Gainesville. And she didn't just come for puppy group class one round or basic one round. She did each round at least four times. So she did like four puppy, four times. So it's like 16 weeks of puppy class. She'd do the basic classes, you know, quite a few different rounds for that. The intermediate classes, like he was in training his whole life right um she had one of her daughters got married so we we took them for the weekend um it was actually easter weekend and Teresa, i don't know if you remember this but she drops him off and he was just a puppy and she brought a bunch of toys and she was saying that here's this toy and this was her her old dog like her heart dog's toy like his favorite toy and like they have that for for caleb and i'm like oh no oh no oh no, oh no my dogs take toys they steal toys from the boarding dogs and they destroy them like my dogs are jerks at times guys and yeah i'm a dog trainer you know i should really send my dogs to a dog trainer for this but it doesn't bother me all that much so i just tell people not to bring toys so teresa's like here's this toy and i'm like oh no so you know we put it in there we made sure we had the crate shut at all times so sometimes if we take the dog out to potty if we're out working with him or he's just hanging out with us we'll leave the crate open no this one we made sure we shot it like he had a bunch of toys in there for him and uh but he you know, he works wonderful for her as an in-home service dog. Um, but he's a lot of dog. And he's a lot of dog for being out in public, um, you know, with with everything, with her disabilities and with, um, you know, just, just everything going on. So what she wanted, which was, you know, what she would have ultimate goal would have been, you know, a service dog. He goes everywhere with her. He's an in-home service dog. Um, he would go to, they do, um, what is it? fundraisers like um rummage sale fundraisers and so he'd go whenever he was a puppy and he'd just watch the people you know go and buy and everything else gypsy that is not for you girl she is chewing on this but she's chewing on this part of it um i told you my dogs need a trainer uh you know so so like he's been socialized up the wazoo um you know he's on she takes him to uf um she has him on um all these different supplements and all these different meds um, he has some hip hip issues as well, and that's not what she was expecting, uh, you know, whenever she got him. So, you know, he's on stuff to make sure that nothing progresses or gets bad. Um, but, you know, it is. It is difficult. Um, you know, whenever you have a dog that you expect, like I expected Gypsy to be my only service dog that I needed. She's too short to do brace and balance work, which is why we got Roman. We're hoping Roman gets to height. And if Roman doesn't get to height, well, I'm not getting a third dog for a while. The third puppy will just have to modify what I get in a service dog. And this is where if I went through a program and I got a dog who I knew was this height, it would be a lot easier. Um, Kimmy says, I'm happy Graham's still young and gets crushed and quickly or I lose my mind. And Carolyn says, hi, hi, Carolyn. 
Uh, Michelle says UConn lost interest in Mac was way too anxious for public. Yeah. Um, who was it? Um, Rue, my border collie. He, he's all got the training to be a service dog. He doesn't want to do it. I didn't make him do it unless I needed a backup. So when Arrow was, um, he had hurt himself, I, Rue had to go. Rue, I'm like, I need you. You need to work now. And he hated every minute of it. I'm like, I don't care. You have to do things you don't like at times. But, um, but he did and, and he worked out and he did well with it. He just prefers not doing it. Oh, well. Um, and Jane says, Remy will be there for regular camp in a couple weeks. If she passes, can she be considered a service puppy when we save up the funds to have her come back for the official service dog camp? I just want to be politically correct. That's awesome. So service puppy is my term for it. There is no official designation of service puppy. Um, she'd be a service dog candidate or a service dog in training. And those are the two main ones and then service dog. So a service puppy is my term for up to about six months old, which is also a service dog candidate. At six months old, I like to eval them and see how they're going to be for a service dog in training. And at six months old, like Roma, I officially moved up the service dog in training um, before conference. Um, she had hit, actually, right after conference, she had hit her six-month mark. Um, so she's officially a service dog in training. Um, Gypsy just hit, well, she's about 14 months now. No, yeah, 14 months now, like in two days. So um, when she hit a year, I need to record her public access test, but I'm kind of waiting for IACP to do theirs so I can just record that and, and do part of it that way. But Gypsy, um, she's got one good test. She's got two good tasks, but she's got, you know, one good test. She's got her public access good. She's got her CGCs. She's good for it. I think I still need to do her two advanced CGCs. And now she's a year, I can do that. Um, so, you know, I try to make sure that we have everything going how we're supposed to have them going. Um, you know, just because it's, um, you know, you want to make sure. And I just got actually Roma's um, Star Puppy and CGC certificate in the mail yesterday and today. Well, not yesterday, but I guess it would be what? Saturday and today. Um, but yeah, just, so Remy, you know, we'll work Remy. We'll see how Remy does. You know, what we think of her as a service dog. Um, just like uh, Carolyn's on here too. Carolyn had a poodle, you know, and part of that was the, you know, was here for normal boot camp. We did some service dog stuff to see what we thought um, her dog would do at Romeo, would do as a service dog. Um, you know, Caleb, you know, when we had him in all those years ago, uh, you know, we, we'd see how he would do as a service dog as well. So it's something that if you talk to us about it, you know, I'm happy to let you know my thoughts on it, but don't forget, my thoughts are my thoughts. Um, we have a dog in right now, Ella, the aggressive one, and her halfway session was Saturday, and I was actually going to call the owners and say, let's push this back a week, because she's just getting to where she's trusting me. She's trusting much easier, but she wasn't trusting me a whole bunch, <coughs> and I didn't want her to step back, or set, get a setback, but you know what happened was her owners come in, and she was so excited, so happy, like they're, she's giving them kisses, and she's all over them, and I'm like, we have not seen this side of this dog. How fantastic, so if we would have let what we had experienced those first two weeks influenced her behavior, you know, what we thought of her behavior, you know, we were doing her a disservice because now that she had that experience, she has been much better with us, especially with me. Um, there's things she doesn't like. She doesn't like it when another dog walks by her crate, um, but it works. I'm sure turn six months at camp. Perfect. And Cheryl says, keep my fingers crossed for Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. And that's for Marvel. Like I'm not seeing anything that's making me say, Oh, cause we've had some pointers and Cheryl knows this. Um, we've had some pointers come through for service dog work or, or and I'm like, no, you know, but, um, but he is, he's pretty mellow. Um, you saw his easy eyes in the picture today, which is really nice. So you, we need to honor the dog. 
himself if he wants to do it and if he has the temperament and the personality to do it as well. Um, but just because I tell you your dog passes evaluation, it doesn't mean that your dog will be a service dog. If your dog, if you don't do anything, if your dog decides like, forget all you guys, you know, you, you have to keep looking at it. You have to keep evaluating, which is why I tell you what, what it is that we look at. Um, how should you identify your service puppy? Oh, that's a good question. So remember the service puppy is not a real thing. It's what I call it. So you're not gonna see any patches yet that say service puppy on it. Um, so I just do service dog in training. Um, I like the patients in love. They have something called a guide dog cape. So it looks like a bib and it goes on the back of the dog. Um, it's because she, I love embroidery. She embroiders big letters so you can see it from across the way. I'm gonna get some purple ones. Um, Rich doesn't know that yet. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so we're, we, I like those to identify. And when my dogs are out with me, I don't care if we're going to a pet friendly location or a not pet friendly location. I keep them in my car. So my dog's vested before I, I exit just to get them a sense of continuity. Not, well, sometimes people can come up and molester me and sometimes, um, you know, people have to stay away. No, I don't let people greet them until they're at least around six months old. And then I start with normal people. Yeah, normal people. So um, Karen was out for quite a few days um, recently and um, our Gainesville trainer. So yes, guys, we do have a Gainesville trainer. Um, and she's fantastic with the dogs. And uh, Roma was going up to her today, like, will you pet me? And it was just so cute because Roma usually doesn't do that. Um, Jane asks if Marvel's feeling better. Yes, he had explosive diarrhea through Saturday afternoon. And then that was it. So he, um, Cheryl has sent like these, these chewy things. So um, he got one of those today and so far so good. Um, Kimmy says, I got worried with all this moving. I'm going to have to do. Yeah, we're going to talk about your question in a couple minutes, Kimmy. Uh, what are the first things you train a service dog? It's another question I got in. I like to train, look at me, what their name is, and then touch and sit. So like, I'm telling you this, right? Roma does not have an amazing sit. Um, I do not have her taught a default sit because I'm, she, we're expecting her to be a little taller. Give me one second. No, Roma, bring it here. Thank you. You are a best girl. So this is a zip drive. Thank you, Roma. Here, let me give you a treat, actually, Roma. That when we scan things into the computer, it has to go on a zip drive. So I had asked Rich to bring it, and he didn't. And one of the cats knocked it over. So I don't want my dogs to chew it up. It's a zip drive. Roma picked up and brought it to me. She has her first task. I'm kidding. I'm not that obnoxious. No, she doesn't have her first task. She picked it up and brought it to me, which is fantastic because whenever I've tried to get her to fetch things for me before, she's like, Gypsy, I'll get it. I don't have to. That was awesome. And I don't fret too much because she's only six months old and a little over six months old, but you know, she'll, she'll get it. You know, they go through times where they're like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. So those are the first things I teach, but Rama doesn't have an amazing sit because I don't want her to sit. I want her to stand. And she's going to be tall enough. She should be about 26 inches tall is what we're guesstimating based on some height weight charts. Arrow's 24. So if she can hit 26, that's a little taller than Arrow, which would be really nice for mobility. Um, and I don't want her sitting all the time. I want her to stand there. So I haven't taught her an auto sit yet. Right. That was too good. What a good girl. I'm so happy about that. Um, how do you pick? Okay. I've got a lot of people asking. Well, first, I'll go back to this one in a second. What color or harness should you start your service puppy with? Or any puppy, really, guys. What color or harness should you start your puppy with? I kind of don't care, right? 
do not start your puppy unless you know what you're doing. Do not start your puppy on a prong collar. Okay. Because if you start your puppy on a prong collar at eight weeks old, but you don't know what you're doing and your puppy learns to pull against the prong collar when your puppy comes to me for training, I can't use a prong collar because your dog blows it off. Okay. Um, general leaders. I like general leaders. I'm liking them more and more actually. I like general leaders. Don't start it unless you know what you're doing with it. Because again, they're going to hate it. They're going to like do this constantly, which is annoying. They're going to rub it, which is annoying. Um, puppies, before you bring them out to work with me, like put them on a harness. That's fine. And yes, I actually said put your puppy on a harness. Because then there's nothing on the throat. If you put a flat collar on the puppy, the puppy's going to go like this. And you don't want that to happen. So don't, 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 don't use that. It's annoying. Um, but I want you to have some control over your puppy. So get your puppy out to me soon. Don't say, oh, it's just a puppy. I'm not going to start training until he's six months old. Baloney, start him immediately. Why would you wait? It's much easier to teach a puppy at, how much do puppies weigh? 10 pounds, 15 pounds? Than it is to teach him at like 100 pounds. Okay? And by letting a professional introduce it, it's so much easier. Um, we have a wonderful dog, puppy that we're working with. And she'd been using a, a martingale collar she had got and a um, harness. And I felt so bad for her because the puppy was every which way. And I'm like, don't worry, we'll take care of that. And we started him on a head halter. And she's like, this is so amazing. And I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, but it's, it's not the collar, guys. It's the technique. Okay. Um, Michelle says, Oliver picked up my phone at Walmart today. Of course, he had to send it flying. <laughs> Um, and Teresa says, I want that cat behind you. Yeah, so that is um, Samurai. She's a Siamese. And then I have her brother, Ninja, who's all black as well. Um, we got them last spring. And they were going to be indoor outdoor kitties. But they decided they don't want to be outdoor kitties because there's no air conditioning or couches outside. So they're just indoor kitties. Which means that Rich has some rat traps set up, which is, if you don't know what a rat trap is, you get a five-gallon bucket, you fill it halfway up with water, you put a little plank leading up to it. So they're, and with some cow feed and the rats go up it and they drown or you use the watering troughs for it they're supposed to catch the mice they don't i'm going to call them mice i'm not going to call them rats but you know what else they catch are squirrels at times too yeah. um how to pick a puppy or a breeder oh yeah this is one i've been getting a lot of people asking how do i pick the right breeder or puppy well guys you know my top three breeds for service dog work are in favor of me order of what i own Golden Retriever, Standard Poodle, Labrador Retriever. It's not our own Labrador Retriever. San Golden, Standard Poodle, not a little poodle, not a micro teacup poodle, a Standard Poodle, and a Labrador Retriever. So once you know, okay, what do you need? I need mobility. I need retrievals. Well, all of them are retrievers. Uh, I need mobility. I'm going to need something taller or sturdier. I'm going to need this, that, or the other. Okay, well, then you're going to probably want a male if you want bigger. Well, I want a little smaller girl. Get a smaller standard poodle. Um, you know, plus they're lighter. So Gypsy weighs about twice as much as what Rumble weighs. And they're about the same size. Gypsy is just a tank, and she will lay down on top of Roma to get her own way when they play. It's hysterical. But uh, once you know kind of that, then you start looking for breeders. Now, I like breeders instead of going with a rescue group because the breeder knows the lines, they know the genetics, they know the temperaments. And health and temperaments are the two most important things whenever you're looking at a puppy when you're breeding. It's health and temperament. And that's not when well, my vet says he's healthy. That's he passed his hips, elbows, eyes, and heart are the four for golden retrievers. 
hips, elbows, eyes, and heart. He passed all those te the testing for that. Um, genetic testing. He's passed all his genetic testing. Okay, perfect. Then you, you're looking now. Well, the mom was a therapy dog. They produced service dogs in the past. Um, the dad, he works as a service dog. He, you know, like, oh, that's sounding really good for service dog work. Well, Roma's mom was like 23 inches. Her dad was like 31 inches um, in the litter. She's in for service dog training. Her brother's in for service dog training. Another brother's in for service dog. And I think one's in for therapy dog. Her aunt, one of them, or she was a service dog. Sounds good to me, right? Plus she's hopefully going to be hitting that height that I want. So how you look for it is you either reach out to breeders. So you can reach out to like the Golden Retriever Breed Club. And there's one in Central Florida that I'm a member of. Um, you reach out to breeders. Now some breeders can be a little wackadoo. Some trainers are a little wackadoo. Um, but some breeders are, and they're going to make you jump through hoops. They're not going to have a dog available for you for like two plus years. That might not be the breeder for you. Um, get one that you mesh with. Um, get one that, that's breeding what you want. You know, do you want a giant poodle? Then look for a breeder who's breeding giant poodles. Don't look for a breeder who's bringing teacup chihuahuas and say, I want a giant standard poodle from you. It's not going to happen. Um, talk to the breeder. What do you get? Talk about the parents. Talk about the health. Talk about when, um, when the other dogs died. You know, like how old were the grandparents when the grandparents died? What did they die of? Um, did they die of 14 years old of cancer or did they die at four years old of cancer? Did they die at six years old because they were hit by a car? Did they die at 12 years old um, just because he died? He had kidney issues because of something, right? See, there's a difference there. When did they die? How old were they? And of what? So when I talked to Gypsy's breeder, none of them had really died before 10 years old, 12 years old, I think it was. I have notes and I have to go back and look at my notes, except for one of them who died at six years old was hit by a car. Okay. Cancer wasn't prevalent until the doctor hit in 13, 14 years old. Okay, that sounds good to me. And cancer can be prevalent in Goldens. Um, but that's why you want to do your work and go with the good breeders because they're not breeding cancer dogs to cancer dogs. Like in double cancer dogs. Okay? But it's a lot of work on your end. Now, I have a list of breeders. I have a list of shepherd, German Shepherds, Golden Retrievers, Labrador Retrievers, and Standard Poodles. My biggest list is my Golden Retriever list because that's the one I spent the most time looking for. Um, but not every dog on that, not every breeder on that list is going to still be breeding. It's going to be breeding a dog that you're going to want. Um, the show line ones are going to be more expensive, and that's what we were looking for because I don't want a crazy, crazy wackadoo golden retriever. I wanted a mellow dog like Gypsy. It's like she is absolutely perfect. I adore her, and if she was like two inches taller, Loki, you know, Loki's in, he's like six or seven months old, and he's as big as she is. I think he's already bigger than she is. And I'm like, really? Seriously? So, um, so yeah, that if, depending on how big he gets. And then um, we have a couple friends who have golden males. I want to see how big they get. My next might be a male golden. But with Era being a male, I didn't want to get another male in the household. He likes girls better, so I got girls. Um, yeah. Roma we found on Puppy Find. It's a website, puppyfind.com. And I pulled up standard poodles in Florida. And I pulled them up and I opened each one in an individual tab. And then I read it and see what it says. And based on that summary i got in touch with a few different breeders but i liked rome as the best she was rosebud at the time um and so we talked she shot me some video and that's who we went with so uh roma was actually three months whenever i found her 
Uh, Michelle says Oliver's 27 inches, 111 pounds, and he still needs to fill out, right? So Arrow's 24 inches, and he's like 60 to 65 pounds. <laughs> he's travel size. And I like that. That works. Um, Terry says, my cousin says Goose, which is Roma's brother, needs meat on his bones. He hasn't filled out yet, so he looks thin, but his ribs are perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jim, Roma, stop it. Here's the, the rug, and she just paused. Hi. Um, Terry, what you need to do is just let him get a little fluffier, <laughs> and they won't be able to tell. Um, and we get asked, are you selective with your breeders? Um, those backyard puppy on type of breeders, like the very reputable ones. So I have my list. And if you're interested, just shoot me a message or an email and I'm happy to send you my list. It's not like I charge for it. It's just like, it's my list of breeders. Um, I can't set, tell you, you, I will not, let me back step here. I'm not going to tell you that unless you go with the breeder for my list, I'm not going to work with you. That's baloney. Um, but having said that, higher success rate dogs who are better, right? Like the dogs who do the, um, the temperament testing, the dogs who do the early um, stimulation and everything else, going with breeds who are more prone to do service dog work than others. So if you're like, I want an Akita as my PTSD anxiety dog, Akita's not going to be a good choice for that one. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's like an Akita service dog somewhere, but if you want to pay the odds, you know, like that's not a good dog for what you would need, right? I have a mobility I want a mobility dog and let's go with something short. Well, there's some things like, so Gypsy, one of her tasks, her main task is, is retrieving, is picking up things that I drop and give it to me. And that helps with both of my issues. So technically she's a mobility dog, but she's also like a low rider, right? So that's why we're working on other things as well. Like her medical response is really good. And that's, I want to get that really good. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to, like, not work with her because of, uh, you know, she didn't hit the height I wanted. She's just now we're going to pivot on what we're, we're doing with her. Uh, you know, you're welcome to get your dog from a rescue from, you know, your friend who had a litter of puppies. But if you want my opinion on which ones are going to make it the best as service dogs, you want to go for health and temperament. I've had people, because we do pet stuff too, guys, don't forget. So we've had people who, you know, bring us a dog and they're like, well, I couldn't even get close to the mama dog and the dad dog because they were so aggressive. But I don't know why my puppy is aggressive. Really? You don't know why your puppy's aggressive? Because I can tell you why your puppy's aggressive. Genetics, early environment, right? Like that's what my, your puppy was bred for. So there's that silver fox experiment, which I love the silver fox experiment in Russia way back many, many years ago. They took wild silver foxes, wild foxes, right? And they bred the best, the calmest and nicest to the calmest and nicest. And what they got were, do were foxes who instead of having up ears, they'd get floppy ears. Um, that started acting more dog-like, that was getting different colors, like they were getting spots and stuff. Like their physical changes came from their temperament selection. So they only select the nicest for the nicest. Now they get foxes who are just as, as fantastic as dogs and you can actually buy the foxes I think they're around six or eight thousand dollars a few years ago when I looked. Um, but they're getting these 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 physical changes, like the the floppy ears, right? Um, just because of, of that. So when people are like, "Oh, well, I got pick on German shepherds, right? I got a German shepherd, and he's protective. Well, German shepherds are protective. I got a long-haired German shepherd, and he's nice." If I was going to get a German Shepherd again, because I've had one before, I have a Belgian Shepherd now. If I was going to get another Shepherd, I would either get a long-haired German Shepherd or I would get a Turburin, which is a long-haired Malinois, basically. I would get a long-haired dog because the long-haired ones seem to be nicer. 
um, because that physical visual out, you know, what you see, it's because of what's inside, okay? I'm um, on the opposite side, on the silver fox, they also bred the most aggressive to the most aggressive, and you can't even get near those. Um, Michelle says, Oliver was an import from Serbia. Um, Samantha says, sorry I'm late, and then a long day after the tornado signs all night long. Um, I don't know how gram, tall Graham is, but just checked, he's um, 76 inches. So what you want to measure is um, from the ground up to the top of his shoulders. There's like that little like hump and then it goes up into his neck. So that's where you want to measure. I actually got a yardstick and I'm just right on there. And whenever I do it, I'll do the pen and then I'll write down like Roma and today's date. And then I'll know how tall she is at this date. Um, Carolyn says, I like your standard poodle list. Carolyn, if you can message me, I will get that to you whenever we're done here, if I can. Um, Samantha says, I have my puppy coming in February or March. That's awesome. Michelle says, you come with a mix of Akita and yeah, not a good fit for me, <laughs> right? Um, Elaine says, Raven, my service dog was sleeping under the desk just now and snored herself, awake and then alerted my blood sugar. Being low at 78, 80s, the threshold, it was really funny to me, so I had to share that, and she's a black lab. That's awesome. Um, would you guys, I don't know how many people are over in Texas, but I'm talking to somebody about going out there and doing a service dog workshop maybe in February. So I just wanted to put that out there. Let me know if you're interested, because I can keep you in the loop on that one, um, on getting that scheduled. Um, now I have two questions that I want to make sure I hit. So if you have a question, let me know. This just came up in the Facebook group. So if you don't know a Facebook group, it's called How to Train Your Service Dog. Search it up. Request to join and I'll let you in um, as long as you're normal on your answers. Um, the dog keeps mouthing and throwing a fit when I go to put his prong collar on. Any tips? Now this woman is doing our online course. So I know she's knowing how to use the prong collar right, which is awesome. So this is what we do. I have the collar. I'm going to put it on the dog. And I've seen this with the pet dogs as well. A lot of times people are like, oh, I'm sorry, I have to do this to you. And they go and put it on and, and the dog learns to run away. So this is what you're going to do next time with your dog is you're going to say, look at this. Do you want to go outside? We get to wear this. Isn't this the coolest thing ever? Then the dog comes in and you're like, you put it on and you're like, Woo let's go, buddy. Okay, there's a difference in how you do it. So what we do with the dogs when they come in Boot camp dogs are our personal dogs when we first get them is they are in a crate. Their equipment is on top of the crate in a bin so they can't just pull it through and eat it. And they don't wear the equipment in the crate. But when they come out of the crate, they're not like left to run and go crazy. They get collared up and then they come out of the crate. So we need to get them collared up before we exit the crate. Okay. So for that, if the dog doesn't, if the dog, like, oh, I don't want to. Sometimes, like if I know the dog has to potty or whatever, we'll lasso them and, and get them out. But I don't want to force them. I want them to want to come in and out of the crate, right? So um, the little dog we have in Meredith today, she's like, I don't want to leave the crate. So I'm like, okay, I'll try you later. You know, I'm, I, I'm like, if you come over here, I'll put this on you and you can go outside and then I'll work with you and I'll give you treats and everything else. And she was like, I don't think so. So I said, okay. So I told Rich, I'm like, we get to work her later on tonight too and see if she's better with it. You know, if she's willing to, to come out and, and, you know, I don't have to, he's like, just lasso her. I'm like, I don't want to have to lasso her. She should be better than that. I don't want to have to lasso her. Um, so if he's mouthing and throwing a fit, now sometimes this also happens. It's not just the prong collar either, guys. They, they mouth fit or they throw a fit or they do this with the head halter quite a bit of time. So what we found is two ways, two pronged approach for it is you need to three prong. You need to introduce it to nicely, like I just said, right? Then some dogs do best if you get them walking with it right away. So they don't have time to be a jerk 
or others do best. Um, you can do name and explain. This is your prong collar, I'm putting it on your neck. This is your general leader, I'm putting it on your nose, I'm putting it on your neck. I'm letting them know what it is. Um, conditioning them, if I can put the general leader on your head, if I can put the prong collar on your neck, I'll give you a treat and we'll go outside and play, walk, whatever. Um, you know, but work it up that way. Um, reward him for calm. So one thing you can do is take his food, put it in your, at your hip in a food pouch and put it on him and then just start tossing treats. And you have a lab, the woman who wrote the question. So just start tossing treats down and he's going to eat the treats, right? And he's going to go into like, oh, that's fun. And he's going to forget that he has that collar, the metal cor collar, torture collar on, right? Or the, the nose loop of death, the face handcuffs as Rich likes to call them. Um, Kimmy says, if I absolutely need another dog, my next choice is a long-haired German Shepherd, right? Mary says, I'm in Central Florida and would love to meet you all. If you're out this way, awesome. And all three of her dogs are now jumping around nosing their prongs because you said it. <laughs> and she says, Graham acted like a baby with the basket muzzle, but now he's like, meh, if we get over it, if we get it over with, fine. But after a long while, he doesn't paw at it and he gets pets and we're hanging out outside and I brush him, good. Um, Samantha says, I went with a Malinois. I love my German Shepherd, but I need something with longevity. They're always go, go, go. And my trainer who worked with Jagger said, go that way a year after Malinois gets here. I want to get a standard poodle so I can have two that can work. Samantha, I know we've talked before too. There's a reason I didn't go with another Malinois. And if you think about it, like me, Rich and Luke are all trainers. You've got five acres. It's a perfect setup. And I know you know this, and I know you're used to German Shepherd. Here's the problem with Malinois is they like to bite. Okay, and I don't care how lazy of a dog you get, um, a Malinois is going to like to bite. And the problem is they can be unpredictable when they're biting. So if you're like, well, I'm just going to do IPO with them then and give them that outlet. What's coming out now is if you're doing IPO with him and you're teaching him bite work in any way, shape, or form, you're not going to be able to do service dog work with him. Um, and that's coming from the IPO people saying that. Okay, saying that if you're doing this, you cannot be doing that. Or, you know, we won't let you do this apparently. I do not recommend a Malinois as a service dog for pretty much anybody. They're also unpredictable around other dogs. Um, we go to conference and a lot of people have Malinois there. And most of the time the dogs can't, like I wanted to get a group picture once with like, there was like five of us with Malinois, you know, standing around talking and like everyone else was like, no, we don't take pictures beside each other's dogs. I'm like just put them all in a down state, put them on place, put them in a sit. So like, I don't care. Like they don't have to be right next to each other. They could be like three feet apart, but wouldn't this be cool? And they're like, no, we don't do that. Um, and they do, they are very go, go, go. So after eight hours walking Disney, working Disney, we go back to the hotel room and Arrow's still like, let's play. It's my turn now. Let's play, 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 play. And I'm like, dude, no. I mean, Gypsy would probably do the same thing after she power napped. But, um, but you know, just, just be very careful where you get your mouth from because you're probably going to have to wash them early. Okay. Arrow's only six. And like I said, we're both professionals. Luke's like, this is what we do. We're professional trainers. Um, and he could have probably been working until he's 10, but he's kind of obnoxious on some things. Um, for example, we're a group class. I mean, I brought him a couple weeks ago and he's underneath the table and another dog goes to lay down underneath on the other side of the table. And he's like, don't you do that? Really? You don't have to do that. So, you know, like they, and he's neutered now. Um, he's, he doesn't like when other dogs get in his face. Like my girls will lay on top of each other and they're fine with it. He's like, no, don't touch me. Don't look at me. Um, so, you know, like it, it's, it's much more difficult. Um, I never, ever would recommend a Malinois as a service dog. 
because there are a lot of dog to handle and person with a disability, you have to put yourself and your disability first. And with the Malinois, you have to put the Malinois first, like to put it bluntly. Um, and I know I'm going to get people who are like, that's not right. That's not right. But it's, it's the truth. And guys, if I'm not going to be truthful with you, there is absolutely no sense in doing any of this stuff. Um, you know, I'm not going to tell you just what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you the, the honest to God truth about it. Um, I'd never recommend it as a service dog. And I see people who do that and they're doing everybody a disservice, especially the dog. Uh, Carolyn says, I'll try to attack Ava in the airport. It was a drug dog being handled by security. It was not pretty. No, no. And they're too intense. So a lot of people are all like up in arms about pit bulls and like locking jaws and stuff. Yeah. I don't want to tussle with a Malinois. Uh, you know, era, we did tug work and stuff like that for fun. But, you know, once you start training the IPO protection aspect of it, where like, here's a blind and there could be a decoy hiding behind the blind and that's a bad guy. And you want your dog to go and bark at him. Now you've just made that behavior an okay behavior. And now you're at Disney and someone has a tent set up for something and your dog could be like, oh, that's there. What if I could bite somebody here? Because I could bite somebody at any time. You know what I mean? It's difficult. So Samantha says, yeah, we need something that can handle the go, go, go. But a Malin was all we could think of. We do a lot of 4-H activities when our summer vacay is never stop. And Jagger has a hard time keeping up. I don't care for Goldens or Lab. Sorry. Will Poodle be able to hang? It should be. I mean, especially, so Samantha, what I would look for in your position, and I don't care if you don't like Goldens and Labs. Like, that's fine. They're not the breed for everybody. I just love Goldens. They're the best. Um, for a Santa Poodle, get one where they're doing the active stuff. Like, I, I'm pretty active, which <laughs> you might not know it, but I am. Especially the winter time, whenever I could be outside. Now I'm not going to go walk, walk, walk everywhere. But like we go shopping, we'll do this, we do that, we do Disney. Um, my doctor was asking what my um, exercise plan is. I'm like, I go to Disney once or twice a week. <laughs> He's like, that's not exercise. I'm like, the hell it isn't. Um, but I like that, and I want a dog who can keep up. Now if they snooze on the way back, I don't care. I want them ready to go. So Rome is still a puppy, and I don't have a ton of poodle experience. But if you go with a breeder who's breeding dogs with drive is what they call it you know dogs with that go 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 but no to samantha like there's a reason i have two of them and it's not just you know because gypsy didn't hit the height it's because i can swap out on who i need for what occasion as well and i can breed both of them so whenever one of them's preggers or nursing i can take the other one and then i even have arrow so i've got three dogs that i can rotate and that's actually worked out really good for me um you know, we were doing the movies and Gypsy was in heat and Roma was too young. So Era got to go just by default, you know, so I still got a dog, even though one was in heat and one was too young. Um, but, you know, look into that and, and check out some other breeds too. And there's nothing wrong with having two service dogs, having the dog and the new poodle and going with Jagger and seeing what you think. Um, but talk to, it's, it's very important to find that right breeder that you click with, that you connect with. I mean, Roma is very happy going to Disney all day. Well, not all day because she's a summer puppy we go for about three to four hours absolute max, but come wintertime, we'll be there for at least four hours minimum because I like wintertime, it's a lot easier. Uh, Charlie, I've considered the Belgian Malinois. Thank you for the input. I know they're high, active, and energy. I know your Korean name keeps coming up. That's why I don't know what, <laughs> and I never remember. Um, and Carolyn says, I do love them, just not as a service dog. Yeah, like, they're super fun dogs. Like, they're so much fun to watch, and they're so determined. But like I said, that's where you get into problems. Um, so if there would be a medical crisis, and you would be down, 
could you count on your dog to be okay with somebody coming up to you? You need to be, right? Now, if that was a Malinois who's going to start protecting you because those things clicked, yeah, I would, if you're looking, you know, I'd look for a, uh, the long-haired German Shepherd. Oh, no, 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 wait, got a better one for you. Go with a Belgian Tervuren. There you go. You got it. I've worked with a few terms is what they call them. So basically German Shepherds, right? There's Belgian Shepherds and there's four different types of Belgian Shepherds. There's the Malinois, which is the short coat, which is what Arrow is. The Tervuren, which looks like a long-coated one. The Granendale and the Lacanois. And I probably just butchered those last two names. And I don't care because they're not that common. And one litter can have, just like labs, right? There's yellow labs and black labs and chocolate labs. And one parent can produce the litter with the different ones in it. Same with the Malinois. A Malinois can have a Tervuren as a puppy. But remember what I said with the silver foxes, right? The droopy ears, the cuteness, like go with the Tervuren. We've worked with a couple of them and I really like a Terv. Oh, they're really nice. They're sweeter than a Malinois. They've still got the energy of a Malinois, but they don't have the, I must bite you. I will bite you. I will watch you until you, I can bite you. I will just know that I can bite you at some point in time. They're much, much nicer. So look at a Terv. There we go. See, it just takes me a little while sometimes for my brain to kick in. Uh, my Tervuren. Oh, here, Mary. Mary, would you do Tervuren? Yeah, it was the same. I loved her as a service dog, but definitely have told others don't even think about it. Okay, so she's saying down. <laughs> um, Samantha may be a Dalmatian, maybe. But, you know, and that's part of it is you've got to find that right one. So we've had aggressive golden retrievers come up for training who are aggressive. And if I said, just go with the golden and you went and you're like, okay. And it was actually someone who was breeding these goldens and they were aggressive. And we're like, why are you breeding these dogs who are aggressive to other dogs who are aggressive? Because she needed money to put herself through school. Yeah, that wasn't a fun one. Um, golden shouldn't be aggressive, right? But, uh, but because of that, you know, it's, it is difficult. And then people see, so Malinois started getting popular a few years ago. And it's hard. So when we have arrow out in public and people are like, oh, what type of dog is that? He's a shepherd. He's a mix. I don't know what he is. Like, well, no, you know, he's a Malinois. Like, go get one. He's really good. See how good he is? No, like, this is his job and he is working. Don't get one. Please don't get one. And I've had to stop people. Um, I remember there was this one family at Disney and they were asking while we were waiting at the bus stop for the bus to come and pick us up and take us in. You know, they were like, oh, what? what type of dog is that? Oh, he's a Malinois. Oh, I want one. Like we have this baby here and I'd love to have a dog for her. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not getting a Malinois. Get a golden. Your kids get a golden. Make it a lot easier for yourself. What breed instead of a Malinois? Um, Charlie. Okay. Um, Tervuren. Um, T-E-R-V-U-R-I-A-N, I think. And Mary says here, only because they were a fight to train until two years old and experienced owners will end up with a dog that will bite. Yeah. And you know what? That's part of it too is so the terms that we've worked with have all started as puppies. So we can shape that. And so we do the food stuff. We do the correction stuff. So we're balanced. If you get a Mal or a Turf or a Golden and you take it to a trainer who's like, you can never say no to your dog and never punish your dog and don't ever tell your dog no. And if he pulls on the leash and you have to walk faster, like get a better trainer. The trainers stink. I'm actually talking to my Gainesville trainer who lives over a um, nice area town, really nice area. We were talking uh, over yesterday or today. And she was saying that there's a bunch of um, 
trainettes, right? Trainerettes who like want to be trainers and her area and they're walking these aggressive dogs and they keep throwing food and the dogs are still exploding. So she's like, when we walk our dogs, we have to cross the street when we see them coming because we know what's going to happen. And these dogs are still, we're across the street and they're still exploding and the trainettes are still throwing food at them and it's not doing it. I'm like, of course it's not doing it. They're working the dog entirely too far beyond threshold, which means the dog can't cope with it. Um, or as Mark McCabe says, it's past their grade school level, right? So you, in kindergarten, you don't teach calculus, do you? My son is in a senior in high school right now and he is starting physics. He's doing physics. That was the appropriate time for physics. Sixth grade was not an appropriate time for physics, okay? So you have to work on what the dog knows. You have to work on what the kid knows. And the dog wasn't entirely too far beyond what they wanted, what they were aiming for. And it's difficult you know and it's not a matter of just you know, yanking on the dog and popping them and making like frying them on an e-collar that's not what i would suggest doing either but just throwing food at problems don't make problems disappear usually um so yeah get a good trainer guys and if you do not have a good trainer contact me i will try to find you a good trainer go to caninprofessionals.com or .org which is the iacp site or do our online course guys that's why we made it just for you guys who couldn't reach us and work with us in person um, Samantha says, the biggest issue I think I have is working for TSA. I need a dog that will be sound around Border Patrol dogs who are lunatics. Yeah. So, Samantha, for that, I know you don't like Goldens. Um, Gypsy's great around other dogs. Like, she just looks at them like, whatever. Um, Arrow as well. Arrow, my Malinois, is great around other dogs. and just like, whatever. Um, so you need a dog who is calm and confident in himself. So he doesn't care what the other ones do. And one of the things that we would do with Arrow is... As we're working these, rehabbing these aggressive dogs, who are bonkers crazy, is say we'll put one of them on place, the aggressive dog on place, and work with him there, keeping him. He has to concentrate on staying on place, and I'll play with Arrow over here. Well, Arrow doesn't care what that dog's doing, you know, um, but he has to be good, and then we'll get him, you know, this dog, and let him know that his behavior didn't make Arrow come or go. That was just how it worked. Um, Tervura, there you go. Mary wrote it up for us. Um, Carolyn says my boxer was awesome, but again, I wouldn't get another as a service dog. Yeah, boxers, I usually don't recommend as service dogs. Health issues are too prevalent and they become protective towards the end. Of course, it could have been she wasn't feeling well, but she was definitely go, go, go. Yeah. Um, like I said, I like, I'm, I'm happy with Gypsy and Roma so far. Um, but if I'm doing group class Saturday morning and I want to do Disney Saturday evening, I'll take one to one and one to the other. Plus, I need to work both of them. So for me, it works that way. Um, you know, we'll see how things go as it goes, but here's the other thing. So conference is like four days, like three and a half days. I've taken error the first four years that we went to conference. And then this past time I took Gypsy and Roma and I split the time. Sometimes I'd have one, sometimes I'd have the other. Well, it's a lot for arrow and arrow is very go, go, go. And it's a lot for him to deal with all that time. So it was a lot for the girls to deal with too, even though they only dealt with like half of it because I know that it's a hard thing for them to deal with. So I made sure they got plenty of rest, but they did recover a lot faster because I did have the two of them. So for people who need that go, 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 because they're just so flipping active, you know, see what one dog can handle and then look at getting a second one, you know, and just have them switch out on who does what, uh, you know, for diabetics and stuff, they'll sometimes do night alert dogs and like daytime alert dogs. So then one dog cannot handle all of it a lot of the times and we want that dog and sometimes we get in our head and the dog you know isn't a robot we can't make the dog be a robot okay so kimmy had a question i want to make sure i get to this before we're done too so let me know comment wise guys 
What do you do with an unruly new behavior in a new place? We had the biggest issue last night. He snuck out of the room. He's been having a ton of accidents until we got the basket muzzle. He has been destroying shoes and pulling at the sofa. It's like a dog I've never met before. This morning we exercised and he's not getting food unless he works for it and now he's tethered. He's still not one for tug of war, but I think a uh, hard fetch might help him. Constructive playtime is better than acting like a knucklehead, right? So that's one she had submitted for today. Um, so yes, Graham, I think, I know he just turned a gear, so he's probably around 13 months old, and they do go through times. So Gypsy just went through it. I'm like, what the heck is wrong with you? Um, so yeah, you want to make sure we're proactive instead of reactive, but we're still going to be reactive if we need to be. So proactive. So if he's sneaking out of the room at night, you did the right thing by tethering them. So they're tethered, they're crated. If I don't trust you, you're tethered or you're crated. Tons of accidents, back on a potty schedule. Check food, um, check water. You know, um, Marvel was having the explosive diarrhea, which was super fun. We don't know what caused it. It could have been the change in water. It could have been the stress from mom, and, mom leaving him and not being at home with everybody. I don't know, but he needed to get over it. And he did. But, you know, he, uh, you know, if the dogs have a potty issues, back in a crate, they go. Or tether. Or on place. Um, and then destroying shoes and pulling at the sofa. So for that, too, if they're doing things when I'm not there, I'm going to crate them. If, um, if I am there and he sneaks off and does it, if he's tethered or on place or crated, he's not going to be able to do it. Um, yeah. And then definitely up his exercise. Now you don't want to exercise, just exercise, because here's the problem if you just exercise is now you're going to have a super athlete who needs more. And that's the problem is if I say, okay, well, he needs two miles a day of walks. So you're going to do two miles a day of walks. Now he needs three miles a day of walks and you need to do three miles a day of walks. And you're like, that's not going to happen. Um, and yeah, teaching him fetch would be really good. Um, tug, if he doesn't do tug, that's fine. Um, work on that. We do have tug and we do have fetch um, in the online course, Kimmy. So check those out. And yeah, definitely you want to do constructive play time. So basically if he has the energy and he wants to be adult, he's asking for more training time. And you're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And training time can equal long place. So say you're going to be doing some stuff and you're going to say like, okay, I'm going to, I want you to do a place for two hours. You can stand up, you can sit down, you can turn this way, you can turn that way, but you are not leaving that place board for two hours. It's hard for them, right? But it's good for the dogs who have all that, their brains are going and going and going. You want them to just go like, <sighs> but, uh, but definitely you're, you're on the right path, which is good. That's what you want. Um, okay, we've got a couple comments here. I have two dogs, two day dogs to switch and one night dog, right? So yeah, Mary gets it. Yeah, like I said, I have three. I like to tell people like, two service dogs and a service dog in training. And I'm like, oh my gosh. But um, it's nice because they do get uh, bounce off of each other. And then they get to play and be dogs too. So like, it's not that they're working constantly. So right now we're almost underneath the desk. Gypsy's at my side and Arrow's on place. They're usually in the same room as I am. Not always. You probably have seen them at the doorway coming and going. And here comes... Yeah, there's Zoe. Um, you know, like they come and go, but they're usually here. And if I call, they, they usually are right here. Um, and it's nice to have it because then you have that backup. And I tell you what, guys, when you get used to having a service dog, it is really nice to have a backup service dog. So your backup could be that dog who's retiring or that puppy who's coming in as well. Or you have three of them. So you have that puppy, you know, or that retiring dog, puppy and retiring dog and normal dog. And then you have all three and you're good. 
but then that's extra expense too, right? Samantha says, so when Jagger has to retire, he can be my nighttime cardiac alert and he gets to work, but it's at home. Exactly. Or like, say you're like, I've got to run to the store and get a loaf of bread. So I'll take Jagger, right? So he still gets the, oh, I get to go too. Uh, so that's why I'm not saying like Arrow's retired. Arrow's just not getting used as much because the girls need the training. So as long as I'm doing good, I bring them. Um, you know, if I'm not doing good and I need him, I will bring him. And it's nice because like he knows the stuff. Find a Mary, thank you. They look like a cross between a rough calling and a German shepherd. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And Kimmy says, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Nicole says, I have two in training, one retired and one for in-home only. Yeah. So like I said, you know, you figured out now, just because I have three doesn't mean if I fly somewhere. So like if we, if I fly out to Houston to do this workshop in February, I'm bringing one. You know, I'm not going to bring like, I have three service dogs that get to go with me. Like I'll bring the one who I need the most at that time. So if I'm doing not as well, that'll probably be Era. If I'm doing fine, it'll probably be Gypsy. Um, and if I'm doing super duper, it might be Roma if she is at service dog training level at that point. If I can consider her a service dog instead of just a service dog in training. Now, it also depends on what airline we fly because for some airlines will fly a service dog in training if they're in the presence of a trainer and some will not. So that's part of it too on why you know, we move dogs up to service dog versus in training. Okay. Um, I was worried about that because he's four and he needs to retire in a year due to skeletal issues. Yeah. So yeah, you can give him something to do. And if like, if Era did nothing, I think he'd be sad. I mean, I don't think he'd be terribly sad because he just harass more people when they come to the ranch to see if they want to play with them. But um, one of the things he does, so we have a long driveway. I think it's like 800 feet. And we have a gate. So we have to stop and open and close the gate. It's not automatic yet. So we open the gate, we come in. He wants to jump in the car so he gets a ride up the driveway. And he's very happy to get his ride up the driveway. So sometimes it's little stupid things that make your dog happy, but it makes him happy so we do it. Um, but yeah, yeah. And then Zoe, the one who just walked back here, if you notice, she was hobbling quite a bit. I was hoping she'd be a service dog for me. She's not. She, uh, I worked her for a little bit and she has um, joint issues and she can't do it. So she doesn't. Um, and it's hard. Um, pets and vests. I want to talk about real briefly pets and vests. Um, I don't like pets and vests. Um, it's annoying. I don't think I need to say anymore. And um, Hope Service Dog is the last thing I wanted to talk about tonight. Hope Service Dog is our nonprofit, which guess what went out in the mail today? Do da, do da. The Articles of Incorporation for the state of Florida. That means we're on our way. Um, we are working on some other things as well. I have the board. Um, we have some things that we need to discuss and verify and then um, working on everything like that. We should start our official board meetings in January. Um, we're going to do them online, either on a Facebook group or like a call-in type of thing. So for that, um, we'll probably open that up to everybody who's interested in helping Hope Service Dogs to be the awesomest thing it can be. But here's what I need from you guys and why I'm telling you is what's Hope going to offer? <laughs> so our mission is to like be awesome. But that's not a good mission, according to um, the organization that, that's helping us with all of this. Like be awesome isn't what people want to donate money to and what the IRS wants to see. So I'm pulling up... Um, HopeServiceDogs.org or HopeServiceDogs.com or HopeServiceDogsInc.org or HopeServiceDogsInc.com will take you to the website. 
here's our mission. Are you ready? To provide disabled owners with professional training and support in all aspects of training their service dogs. To provide and sustain professionally trained service dogs and companion dogs. To provide support, information, and guidance to the service dog community. And to provide education to the public, to businesses, and to the disabled community as to the rights of the disabled person while using a service dog and the benefit of service dogs. So their hope is not going to do the same thing Dream Dogs is doing. We have the Dream Dogs has the three different levels of what we do, the online, the online personal coaching, and um, in-person stuff, the groups, meetups and stuff, field trips, and then all that plus the boot camp. That's what Dream Dogs offers. Hope will not offer those. What I'm thinking of, so I'd like your feedback on this one, guys. It's not set in stone yet, is since we can do all aspects of helping. Um, if we had any breeders who wanted to donate puppies that we can work on puppy raising and, and placing fully trained dogs or at least partially trained dogs with people or placing puppies with people who need them and working with them from the get-go, um, Hope could do that. Um, I'm also thinking of offering the group class, classes, the group classes and the online course as a package. Now, what happens if you live in Houston, Texas? right? Because that's where we're going to be going for the workshop. What happens if you live out there and you can't make it to the group classes? I think what we're going to start is a Facebook group for the group classes, Facebook group for the group classes, and doing um, um, live streaming the group classes. So you can participate no matter where you are and you can watch old ones if you need to. How cool would that be? Um, so yeah, so that's what we're thinking. So please let me know your thoughts on it. What would you guys like to see, Hope? What do you think is needed? Um, what do you think is not needed? Do you think I'm on the right track with doing those? Do you think we're not on the right track with doing those? Tell me more. Um, so yeah, let me know. Love, loving, Hope. Kimmy says, thank you. Congratulations. Say Caroline and Michelle. Thank you, guys. Um, Michelle says, I'm in. Um, Kimmy says, definitely have my help as soon as I get back. I'm coming back sooner than planned to. Oh, Kimmy, good. Let me know because I'm very interested in that. Um, because I kind of have a little job that I'm thinking I want you to do that I think you'd be good for. Um, and Bill says, cool. Hi, Bill. Bill Church is my friend. He made me the glass arrow, which is awesome. And I show it to everybody who comes out to the ranch. Um, so yeah, so let me know. Let me know what you guys think. And I don't need to know immediately right this second. Write it in the comments. What do you think Hope should offer? But think about it. Think about it and let me know. Even if it's like a half-formed idea, let me know. Okay? Um, here's Era. Come on, let's see. Here he says, he says, everyone needs a Malinois 05. We need a Malinois 05. Or none. <laughs> Okay, let's see comments. Love, love, love. I'll be back on the first week of November. Ooh, so we're talking like a month away, Kimmy. That's awesome. Um, yeah. What other, any other comments, guys? Because I am wrapping it up. I need to get something to drink. I didn't bring a drink back here and my throat's getting a little sore from talking for an hour and 20 minutes. Apparently that's my limit. Um, I am into help from Illinois. Thank you, Jesse. So yeah, if you guys, I will go through and write down who said that they were going to help me and I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> I'm kidding. But like as we get going too, so what we need to do is, I, like I said, the Articles of Incorporation went out today to the state. We get that back and then we send up to IRS and that could take six months or longer before we hear back from them. And then we have to submit to the state again um, to get a letter saying that we can do fundraising. Now, technically, once we get the Articles of Incorporation back, saying that Hope Service Dogs is awesome. Um, we can technically start fundraising and we already loaned Hope quite a bit of money to get all this stuff rolling. So that'll go to paying us back. That'll get 
you know, paying for the website in the future. Um, that'll get for paying, um, you know, the different things that need done. You know, I want to do up, you know, the cards to give out to people. I want to get some shirts, but luckily I have a silhouette, which is like a cricket and I can make up our own shirts for right now. Um, Carolyn says, I will help. Awesome. And Nicole says, Jesse, where in Illinois are you? Because she's in Illinois too. Let's, we'll see. You guys are all connecting here, which is awesome. So if you guys have not joined our How to Train Your Service Dog Facebook group, what are you waiting for? Go join that. I don't care if you're a professional trainer. I don't know if you don't even have a service dog. If you're interested in service dogs, join the group. It's freaking cool. Um, check out our podcast. Our podcast is also called How to Train Your Service Dog because I'm original when it comes to names. And our website for our online courses is How to Train Your Service Dog. And guess what? My clients find that weird that they come out for their dream dog program and I'm sending them to a How to Train Your Service Dog website. But I had to buy the, um, the theme and it's a online course theme. So all my online classes are at howtotrainyourservicedog.com. I have like five or six of them. Um, the two big ones, the big one is the, um, the service dog one. Then it's the, the dream dog one. And we also have like essential oils and dogs. We have work, um, focus. I think we have the grooming one up there, potty training up there. I think we might have one other one. I'm going to do one on massage. I'm so hype. Good, Kimmy. It'll be so cool. I'm so looking forward to it. And I know that's where we were going. Part of my stress, whenever I told you I was all stressy, was not knowing if, it was going to come to fruition or not because it would have been much easier to say, forget about it. I'm not going to do it, but it's where we've been heading. And I'd like to be able to have that nonprofitness, not just so I can say I'm executive director of a nonprofit, but because we're going to be able to help so many more people. And too often I hear about people who can't afford, they can't afford the thousand dollars for the online course. I'm like, there's so much awesome information in that online course that if you go to how to train your service doc.com. You can actually buy it for $97 a month for 12 months. Um, and that's like 25 bucks a week, guys, or $997, one shop, you're done. Uh, and you have access to it for like ever, right? Like maybe not in a hundred years, like people probably won't have computers then, but like I've got the course done and I keep adding new stuff to it. So it's something that if you think you know everything about dog training, you don't. If you think you know everything about service dog training, you don't, because guess what? Neither do I. I'm always learning new stuff, which is pretty cool. I'm learning gluten stuff now. Um, our Gainesville trainer, Karen, she is doing her dog for gluten alert. So we've been working on that together, which is pretty, pretty, pretty nifty. Um, but we do have our Gainesville trainer. So if any of you guys are in Gainesville and you want private training sessions, you let me know and I got you figured out. Okay. I'm not seeing any other questions here. So like I said, I will go through and strip the audio out of this and put it up on the podcast. Um, hopefully I'll get a podcast on up for tomorrow too. Um, or the next day. Um, and I will catch you guys next week at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for next week's webinar, okay? We'll be one week closer to Halloween, which will be super fun. Um, I, um, and if you needed the list of breeder stuff or whatever, just message me, okay? See you later. Bye-bye, guys.